Welcome to Pro Corner. I'm your host, Austin Serhoff. This week, we have the LA Current's Ali Tetzloff on the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice the setting is a little different this week. Um, I have a puppy upstairs with wicked separation anxiety, so I had to hold myself up in the laundry room in the corner of the basement to make sure that his whines and his barking wasn't picked up on the audio. And another reason that I feel okay being in this laundry room in the corner of the basement is so that everybody understands like this stuff isn't always glamorous. Like this mic, 60 bucks on Amazon. I'm using a, the proprietary camera built into my computer that people use for FaceTiming. <laughs> you know, like I don't do this podcast for money. I don't do it because I want some cool podcasting studio with all the high-tech equipment and the bells and whistles. I do it because I wanna share these athletes' stories like Ali's today. And I want everyone to see that there's a certain garage band aspect that, gets into, that goes into getting this thing started and it tends to start out being cobbled together from whatever pieces you have in front of you. Um, and that pivots perfectly to Ali. Ali is not an Olympian. And that's important because what we talk about in the, Olymp in the episode is when she's asked at swim clinics if she's an Olympian, she says, not yet. And we dig into why that's a very important piece of framing that she does in her mind. Um, Allie is also interesting because she ran into something out of college. She, she's in her second year as a pro, and she recently moved to a pro-specific site at Wolfpack Elite at NC State. Um, but after graduating from Auburn University, her first pro year, she just stayed at Auburn and swam in the pro group there. And what she ran into that's common uh, for people like myself and other people that are really, really good swimmers and want to be pro, but their school, even though they welcome pros and it's a great place like Auburn that fosters greatness, um, they don't have a set pro group in place. And what tends to happen as a pattern is the people feel this melancholy where they're like around the swim team every day, but their role as a pro isn't, you know, super defined. So they tend to feel a little fuzzy about their identity. And in Allie's case, it was better for her after a year to leave. Uh, she felt like she outgrew her college town. Um, that, and that happened to me. Uh, the first year I was at Texas, we had a very thin pro group, um, still the same great coaching still a high caliber group of people around. I mean, we had freshmen in our, on our team that ended up being Olympians and we had NCAA champions and we still had the best coaching staff that anyone could ask for. But it was this weird balancing between I'm a pro now, but I'm still in rhythm with training with the college team. And it doesn't feel the same because I don't get the same benefits of being a part of a team. So one thing that I really like about where things are going for pros um, and the ISL I think is spurring this is these set pro groups are being set up in a place like Texas. I talked to Wyatt Collins like that, about that on a previous podcast. Um, Texas has a pro group now and people like uh, Georgia's Gunner, Gunner Bentz, who was a Georgia Olympian and was a pro at Georgia, um, decided to just move and join the pro group at Texas where there's, you know, eight to 10 people who are pros and they know their place and they have their own practices and they know their role and who they are. So I love that sort of evolution. Um, Allie digs into that a little bit. And we also cover um, 
the parallel between me sitting in this laundry room and cobbling together what I have to make this podcast, she cobbles together a very responsible slate of income to support herself and be on her own as a pro swimmer. She digs into a nannying job that she absolutely adores and a couple other things. She's a very responsible person, very type A with how she's organized. And I think people can really learn from her how to be a pro and really put together, like you could put an Excel sheet of her day-to-day life together based on how she describes it. And I think it's really cool. Um, So before we get to her, uh, I've been saying this on every podcast and I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to do a Q&A very soon. And now I know who my guest is going to be. It's going to be Tate Jackson. I got a really good response um, and a couple great questions immediately after his episode came out. He's a really personable person. <laughs> that sounds silly. Whatever, I'm going to keep it. Tate's a really personable guy and he's going to be perfect for the Q&A episode. So Keep an eye out the next couple weeks because Tate and I are going to really pump up that pump that up and promote it and give you a lot of different outlets to send in whatever you want us to talk about. We'll record it live and then it'll also be uh, distributed the way that the podcast is distributed, both in video and audio form. And we're going to have a great time with it. Um, if you want to drop a line now, go to uh, Instagram and DM at pro corner podcast or email the pod austin at pro corner podcast.com now that that's out of the way without further ado uh here's ali tetzloff i'm here with ali tetzloff of the la current uh we just had take one trying to talk to her in her hotel room but the wi-fi was just a a touch spotty, so she's found undisclosed location somewhere else in the hotel. Um, seems like you're settling into your new digs on uh, Margaret Island in Budapest in the beautiful Danube River. Uh, the LA Current just had a good showing in their first match this past weekend. So, Allie, how's it going? How are you doing? It's it's going well. Finally, yesterday, the sun came out to play, and it was 50 degrees, or in the 50s. So it was really nice, really warm out or warmer than it has been. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been good. You know, we, um, I got here last Sunday Mm -hmm. and immediately like we get off the plane, we get to the hotel and it's just COVID test, like swab up your Mm -hmm. nose, down your throat. And we get tested every five days in the bubble. So that pain feeling is not very good. I'm not used to it yet. Is it the one that goes up your nose? It is. Yes. Oh, it yeah. is the one that goes up your nose. Oh, way up your nose. Both <laughs> way, nostrils too. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like they're it's like they're pricking your brain for COVID. Um, yes. Those exactly. are not fun. I got one once and I don't ever want to get it again. So I can't imagine every five days. Um, is it true that you guys had to be uh, negative for a couple tests before you left the United States as well? Correct. We um, had to get tested Wednesday and Friday before we left. And those had to be um, not really the rapid test, but a rapid PCR test. Mm -hmm. So we could get um, two negatives before we could leave the country even Mm -hmm. because there were people that were having trouble in their respective airports in the US, like not being able to even get on a plane. 
So I lucked out and Raleigh, <laughs> that airport, super tiny. And they were like, okay, like you're good, but you might have problems elsewhere. Mm. So I was a little nervous once I got to Europe that they would even let me in. But obviously I'm here now, so it worked out <laughs> for me. Um, but it was, it's, it's been an adventure for sure. No kidding. And the adventure is far from over just because everything that you guys are doing over there in this experiment is so unprecedented. So correct. Yeah. Let's start. I mean, let's just start with what happens day to day since the COVID thing is unavoidable, especially in this sports bubble where all of you are across the world together and it's the stakes are super high to keep you guys healthy, both to keep the league running and to make sure that you guys don't get sick in a foreign country and have to be prevented from coming home for a little while. So what are you noticing about the, the structures of the precautions that are in place that stick out to you, especially? Um, so right now we have temperature checks and we have to sanitize before going like inside any building. Mm -hmm. Um, we sanitize before we do meals and we're not even allowed to serve ourselves at meals. So we actually have like a meal staff that's serving us at like a buffet style. So they're behind and they're just serving our food. Like we're not allowed to touch anything. We they take our plates and then they just kind of slide it across and Mm -hmm. then we grab them at the end, like when we're done. So that's been kind of bizarre to me because it's like, I know how much I'm going to eat. And then sometimes it's like these massive servings and I'm like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm going to waste so much food. And then sometimes it's like these little, like little tiny portions. And I'm like, I need more potatoes. (laughs) So, so it's been kind of, it's been interesting to see that. And it's just been really different. Um, I mean, we do have COVID marshals, so they're like the COVID police making Mm -hmm. sure we wear our masks and, um, you know, our social distancing, at any time appropriate and all of that stuff. So it's, it's been definitely um, different compared to last season when I was here for ISL, but it's, I think it's good. And um, I think it makes like, I mean, I've felt safe and fine. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone else is kind of in the same boat too. Yeah. And I've heard you guys are about a, you guys are about five days in of having all negative tests that everyone's doing well over there. And everyone's been healthy and safe so far. So it sounds like it's important to do this and it's, you know, they're doing a really good job of enforcing these things. I've talked to a couple people about the, about these masks marshals that there's actually a competitive aspect to keeping your mask on. Correct. Yeah. We, um, we have like a point system and if you're not wearing it correctly or like you don't wear it at appropriate times or you're not wearing it at all, you get like docked points. Mm -hmm. And if it gets up to 30 is like the max, but Mm -hmm. if you reach a certain number, like you'll get warnings and you'll have to like talk to the whole ISL, um, sort of like staff so like mm-hmm. the president all the way up to you know Constantine himself just kind of sure. like oh yeah I, was, I messed up and I wasn't wearing my mask or I wasn't or even just like leaving the island unprecedented if you weren't we're not allowed to leave the island mm-hmm. unless we're walking to the pool or we're walking around the island or on a bus um so it's been very different. And if you get up to 30 points, like they'll actually send you home. Whoa. So, 
Yeah. As of right now, I don't think like anyone's really gotten any points because it sounds like at least my COVID marshal for LA Current, she's like, I don't want to mark you guys. Like, we, I, I don't want to be mean, but I'm going to ask you to re- wear your mask and socially distance. And yeah. Just listen to me so I don't have to mark you. And so do she's the been points, really nice. Do the points also affect your team standings? Like, are these point like ISL team points or is it no. more of a demerit system? It's a demerit system. Okay, for sure. so yeah. the the vibe yeah. that I gotten from a couple people that I talked to, and it's good that you and I are clearing this up, <laughs> <laughs> is I thought it was literally there's points in the standings. Allie doesn't wear her mask. Boom, one point <laughs> drop. Okay, no, got it. No, so it's more, it's more like, like house cup points in Harry Potter. Correct. Got it. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh for man, sure. but either That's way, funny. I like that they're gamifying. It, instead of just saying, hey, wear a mask, wear a mask, it's the rules. There's an actual game to it, too. Yeah. And it's yeah. also, and also um, they don't tell you if they take points, right? Like, they'll just write it down. Like, have you been given a warning yet? Have you seen anybody lose points? Um, I, honestly, we've all been, like, really good about wearing our masks. Okay. And I feel like that's not something typical you really see or, like, when COVID first started, everyone mm-hmm. was just kind of like willy nilly, just like going out still. They weren't really wearing masks. But I think Europe especially has done a really good job of like trying to contain it. And that's what I've noticed is like no one here has had an issue. I've never seen anyone without a mask, except if they're like literally about to jump in the pool. Um, if they're about to like step up on the blocks, obviously, or like mm-hmm. walking to their race or at mealtimes yeah so if they're we have putting to wear... food in their mouth <laughs> exactly yeah um like we have to wear our masks while we're lifting weights which is a pain in my rear end and everyone else's because you're like you know trying to keep your weight shape in yeah. you know in check and i'm trying to like lift heavy and everything and i'm like out of breath because i'm in a mask but it's just like those those sort of things you're going to have to sacrifice because I don't want to go home mm-hmm. and I don't want to make like LA current look bad because I'm getting points and I'm sure like nobody else does either, you know? So that's just some of those things that it's like, well, I want to keep people safe and I would hope that everyone else would want to keep me safe too. Well, it seems like everyone that's over there along with the entire swimming community sees this as such a special thing that Mm -hmm. we're all in this together, whether you're over there and you've got to keep your mask on to not go home or affect the LA current or, you know, make the league shut down because you got someone sick. Um, How are you feeling about the league so far and like your belief in what it can do and how special it is to be a part of it? Because this is your second season with the current now. Yeah, correct. Um, Well, it's definitely huge for professional swimmers, like as a whole. because it kind of gives the people who are on the uh who are not as well known or not olympians to like try to make some money and like actually have a career in swimming and what they Mm -hmm. love to do Mm -hmm. um which is awesome and i fully support that um i also think it's kind of a stepping stone you know if the league succeeds right now it's going to show other countries and um other you know, swim communities, like, hey, the league survived and thrived during COVID. Like, you guys can do this too, and you can figure it out for your Olympic trials, for 
for Olympics, for Mm -hmm. even like state meets back in the US or um, just meets like that. It's like, if this thrives and survives, it's like, I think it's going to get the ball rolling and kind of get people talking and thinking of like, how can we make this happen in our country? Mm-hmm. How can we make Olympic trials still happen? Because I mean, ultimately, like we all still want 2021 to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be very disappointing, I think, to a lot of people if it ends up getting shut down again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like this is this is the stepping stone and this is huge for the swimming world as well. Yeah, it creates another layer of collective belief around something important that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you were saying about the impact that it would have in other countries that, you know, I'm trying to think of a country, like Germany might want to start a team, right? Or Mexico might want to start a team. Just places where you might not think about swimming. I guess Germany, you think about it, but places where you might not think about swimming and the development of swimmers. Um, Correct. There's going to start to be 10-year-old kids, 15-year-old kids like, wait, I can be a part of London Roar. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. don't have to be like from that country or from that city, which I think is yeah. super cool as well is like, this is, this is what our sport needs is a professional league. So we can have kids, you know, who are younger and, or even in college be like, Oh wait, my, my career doesn't have to end when I graduate, like mm-hmm. I can keep going or like, it doesn't have to end in an Olympic year. Like I can still keep swimming and keep doing something I love and something I'm good at mm-hmm. if like, if it allows, you know, and that's kind of where my mindset is right now. It's like, well, if the Olympics like don't end up happening, but the league still is continuing and still, um, you know, firing away next year. It's like, why would I not still do that? If it's mm-hmm. still something I love and I'm still passionate about swimming, it's like, I love the competitiveness and like being a part of a team again. I think it's really cool um, for professionals, you know, swimming is such an individual sport. So being a part of a team again has been huge and you kind of see that fire in people's eyes again. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I'm going to swim my best for you and you're going to swim your best for me. Like, let's do this together. That sort of thing. It's cool. Well, take me through the team aspect a little more. And just to give context for everybody, you're someone who's graduated recently from Auburn and you went right into the inaugural LA current season last year. And then when you left Auburn and I saw this on swim swam, you basically did like a, a commitment picture and post to <laughs> NC state Wolfpack elite where you treat your pro group also kind of like your team, which to you might sound like, yeah, of course, that's what I do, but it's, it's not true across all swimming. Some people just are like, this is where I train and that's what I do. So how does the LA current team compare to maybe your pro group with Wolfpack elite or your Auburn university collegiate team? Um, I think definitely I'm going to compare to Auburn first, just because that was like the first step. Mm -hmm. Um, so I swam, I was at Auburn for five years, one of them being the first season of the ISL team mm-hmm. of being on LA Current, which was awesome. Um, and I was really, um, really pumped to like stay there another year and compete and race, be on the national team for those coaches. And I don't, just like be a part of this league. Like it was cool and it was like intriguing. It was like, huh, like we're really gonna make this work. Mm-hmm how I don't know how but like 
I hope it works, that sort of thing. And obviously it did because everyone seemed to be really excited for the second season. Um, but LA Current is very different from Auburn mm -hmm. and the team I had there. And it's mm -hmm. just, I think the main thing is everyone on LA Current, we are professionals. And I think everyone in this league, we are professional athletes. We don't have to worry about school. We yeah. don't have to, you know, worry about like the outside world as much. It's just, we're here to swim. This is what we're here for. We have like-minded goals. And at Auburn, it was kind of like, all right, like, yeah, we're here to swim and like get an education. Mm -hmm. But being on a professional team just kind of like switches your mindset of like, this is the next step yeah. in my swim career. And this is what's going to elevate me to make an Olympic team or to get a sponsorship or to just continue swimming at an elite level. This is what I need. Um, and I think it's been really good because we come to these meets, even, I mean, last year and like currently we're at these meets and we're training with people who have made an Olympic team and who've been swimming for so long and are so good, have world records. And it's kind of cool to like watch them train and just mm -hmm. learn from the best. Um, so I think like in that aspect, it's, it's really cool. I, I mean, I will never trade anything what I had at Auburn and the relationships I built there. Mm -hmm. But then you see in this pro league that it is an individual sport and you see some um, selfishness <laughs> a little bit more than you would on a college team, sure. which is completely fine because I think as professionals, we've learned in order to be selfless, you have to be selfish. Sure. And I think in college, like, it was just all like for the team, for the team, for the team. But here in the league, it's like, all right, I got to be selfish. Mm -hmm. And then it'll, it'll come for the team. So I think that's been, like been the big difference for me that I've noticed. Um, it's all good though. Like I, I enjoy training here. Um, I enjoy, you know, like Wolfpack Elite, you said uh, the difference there. I had a small group at Wolfpack Elite. There's 11 pros there. Um, and I mean, that's cool. Cause we like all swim the same things all the time. You know, mm -hmm. we're swimming collective practices together, but then here it's like, all right, what are you swimming today? And they're like, oh, well I'm doing, um, uh, some speed fly work or like, I need to do some speed flight work. What's your practice? And I'm like, oh, mine's speed fly work. And they're like, oh, Hey, can I join you? Yeah. So it's very like, oh, what are I'll join you. Like, what are you doing? And, oh, okay. I'll do some relay exchanges with you. It's kind of like, we know what we need and we know what we're here to do. So collectively it just works. It works. Yeah. So and it's you, been really interesting to and see you have and, like, coaches, all of us come together. And you have coaches that hold you accountable. And I'm assuming uh, your coach at Wolfpack Elite, Braden Holloway is sending you stuff to do, but there's a maneuverability it seems within that where, the pro side of you really shines where it's like you said, Oh, I'm doing uh, fly speed today. Uh, yeah. Here, come on. Allie's doing fly speed. Oh, I'll come and join Allie. Whereas yeah. when you're on a college team or even in more rigid pro groups, you're doing what is written on the paper. You're doing what everyone else is doing and you get feedback from the coach and there is customization within college teams, but that little change 
is so big to swimmer to most swimmers mm-hmm. that have come through programs where it's you do this, you do this, you do this. Yeah. So have you noticed a side of yourself kind of grow a little bit, especially over here in this bubble where you can just kind of piece together your training as you go to get what you need here and get what you need here and learn from this person, but then also have a general path that you follow more so than here's the specific workout every single day. Exactly. Yeah. So Brayden actually has been a savior during all of this because he mm-hmm. has seven, he has seven pros here. So he's kind of like all over the place and we're all on different teams. So um, he kind of has to figure out who's being coached by who, who needs this what are they swimming? What are they, you know, we're all on different schedules. So he actually came up with an Excel sheet that he just shares with each, like each swimmer. And then um, two of my coaches on LA Current also are a part of this Excel sheet. So they can see what I'm doing, what day, and just like basic guidelines of like Mm -hmm. what I need. And Brayden might write like my main set and then he'll give guidelines of like, okay, 2000 warm up, add some speed work in there or like make sure she does fly today or whatever right so then I'll get together with my LA current coaches and they'll be like all right here's the here was the main set that was in the excel sheet here's what he wants you to work on let's come up with a Mm warm-up so it's been really good to kind of like take ownership a little bit more for my training and kind of you know I moved I moved to NC State in August Mm -hmm. and I'm still learning Braden and the NC State regime Mm -hmm. um, and how he kind of structures things and what he wants to focus on so I'm very new to it but it's also cool because it's like all right now I can see like kind of what he's thinking and then plan my practices out a little bit so it's been it's been neat and I I really do like it um it has been holding me accountable as a swimmer as well because you know, I have to balance my weight workouts too. And I have to, my weight coach at NC State has also been like, all right, you got to be at 70 to 80% effort all six weeks. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't want you backing off. I don't want you going heavier. He's like 70 to 80% stay there. So then in the pool, it's like when I have a hard workout, I really have to press because I could be sore from weights or I could be a little more tired from the meat. But the pool is like, been my main focus I think since going to NC State in August is like all right I want to focus on like what I'm doing in the pool what I'm learning at NC State what do I need to do for 2021 Mm -hmm. basically yeah and on that for 2021 it's not like so the ISL is a big deal this is the league and you guys are there to win you are there as the LA current to win but the Olympics, it seems like, especially for y- yourself, is still the guiding light for the overall training cycle. Yeah. So you built yourself up before you left, um, before you left Raleigh, and it sounds like you're still in the middle of hard training now while you're over there. Yeah. Um, so I think everyone's kind of, at least on LA, is kind of in different like training modes. Um, I don't think anyone's really resting. Maybe for like the semis and the finals, mm-hmm. but right now this is like think of it as like a dual meet season. So these are like our dual meets. So you don't really rest for dual meets. It's like you do hard work and then you might get a little rest like the day of or something. Sure. Yeah. Um, or you might have like an easier lift the night before, whatever. So what I'm, 
my sort of plan for these six weeks or the next five weeks is just to stay aerobically sound. I don't want to go back to Raleigh and be completely out of aerobic shape because I've already done so much hard work to get up to my aerobic level and where I needed need to be you know so I was very not very out of shape going to Raleigh in August but I was like I was not in the best of shape Mm -hmm. I'll be honest and I don't want to lose that again I don't really have the time to like take a week off after I get back from Budapest like I need to get back into it and I need to you know get my mind right for long course and long course training again um so I think like these next five weeks is solely just like, not solely, <laughs> I don't want to say it like that, but no, of course. the focus for mm-hmm. me is more so on training than competing. And then mm-hmm. me competing is just kind of like experience wise, <clears throat> you know, and it's good for me to be racing and competing a lot. So that's kind of what I'm looking at it as is mm-hmm. when I do compete and when I do race is part of my training cycle. And how did going to the racing, how did the racing feel and how was this competition that you had last weekend? And you can use last year's ISL as a reference point if you'd like, or if there's anything that's whole cloth unique this year, just maybe take everyone through what this weekend of racing was like so far and your first impressions of it. Um, my individual so i was on two relays i was on the women's 400 free relay and i led off and then i anchored the mixed free relay um so i had two 100 freestyles which was Mm -hmm. awesome because that's all i swam last year was 100 free yeah so i had i kind of like am beginning to understand the times a little bit for short course meters but i still don't like understand completely what it means yeah um, but last year, my fastest hundred free off of a relay start was a 52 nine. So my first hundred free of this meet was a 53 two and that was lead off. So that was my lead off time. So that was like a really good start. I was super happy with it. And then I anchored in a 52 seven. So I was mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm better than where I was last year yeah and I think like that's a really good start and a really good takeaway from this meet is like let's just keep that going let's just see what happens these next couple of weeks maybe get thrown into an individual event here or there which which would be awesome um but I I think I'm still getting used to short course meters and the more I like train in the pool and train getting used to stroke counts and kick counts and all of that. I think I'll, like my hundreds, I would like to see my hundreds get faster as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the free, So the mixed relay and the teams being scored together mm-hmm. is definitely an interesting wrinkle in the ISL. So coming from co- uh, college where, dual meets are men's and women's separate NCAs are separate men's and women's um even the even the olympics um there's i think they're bringing in mixed relays at the olympics but that's still a new thing so mm-hmm. what is that is that aspect unique to you in a way or have you seen that before at meets that you've gone to it's definitely unique which is i think i like it just because um you know if you look at our roster we do have some weaknesses mm-hmm. and 
you know, where we have weaknesses on the girl's side, the guys might be really strong. Mm -hmm. So it kind of balances out. It's like, all right, well, if we scratch your back, you'll scratch mine, that sort of thing. It's like, you, you'll help me, I'll help you. So it's really cool to see like the point situation works. It's like, all right, well, we just got jackpotted like big time in this event. And then the boys will turn around and be like jackpotting the other, you know, the other teams in the other events. So it's kind of cool to be like, all right, like they got us or like in relays too. Um, now we see the medley relay picks the skins events so those are really important relays and it's cool to see like those getting stacked too it's Mm -hmm. like all right well we can't really just save up for the individuals like we got to put you on this relay so we can like try to get a win and so we could try to pick a skins event Mm -hmm. so that atmosphere has changed since last year too so it's super interesting and different and I am very excited to see kind of how the next few meets play out just because we are against different teams. So I want to take it back a sec. What was it like? Cause I want to work our way to you leaving for NC state from Auburn and a story that you have there and then eventually getting to this year's ISL. So where yeah. were you at when you joined the LA current last year and were you reaching out so Lenny, Lenny Kraselberg, were you, were you recontacted by The Current or by Lenny? Or was it like a free agent signing like football? Uh, just, I guess, take us through the mechanics of that part first. Yeah, so um, I was coached by Brett Hawk for three years. Mm-hmm. And he reached out to me right after my senior year NCAAs. And he was like, hey, we're doing this league. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, mm-hmm. no way. Like, no, this is fake. Yeah. That sort of thing. I just like, didn't believe it at first. And he was like, we really want you on our team. And I still was like, no, <laughs> like this, this, this is nonsense. Like this isn't going to happen. I was very kind of just against it. And then, and then he got Lenny to call me and Lenny talked to me and I was like, all right, okay, this might be like a real thing. Mm -hmm. I need to hear more about it. I need more information. And then I think around that time was when like Swim Swam articles were coming out more about like this league and what was going to happen. And Lenny called me again and he was like, we would like you on our team. Like you'd be a really good asset for relays and the sprint events. And I was like, okay, what the heck? Why not? Let's let's do this. So that was probably in like the March-April range. Um, right after my season was done sure and I was like kind of pumped for it it was like a big opportunity for me to like begin to make money as a professional swimmer Mm -hmm. and not just have to rely on you know fitter and faster clinics or like pro series meets or trying to get a swimsuit sponsorship it was like this is guaranteed money um I just have to show up and swim well you know so it was it was good. Um, so then I went into that summer and my coaches were kind of skeptical about it. And they were like, well, like, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll, um, we'll send you the things you need and we'll talk more about it. And then I swam at nationals. Um, so this was summer of 2019 at Stanford Mm -hmm. and I just had a breakout long course meet. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
that was where I hit my 57-700 fly and I made the U.S. national team. Um, and it's so that was one, like, one of the 10 fastest 100 fly times in the last uh, quadrennial for United States swimmers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just so, since I mean, 16, I mean, you're one of the best butterflyers in the country. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I did see that on Swim Swim. But it was just really, really exciting. It was kind of like, oh, wow, like, I do have a really big shot. Mm-hmm. And the 100 fly, the way I look at it going into 2021 now, is it's a very wide open event. I don't yeah. think there's anything really for sure. Anything could happen. Anyone could come in, come up from, you know, being in the 20 range in the U.S. right now and just come up and, like, sweep all of us out, you know? Like, you never sure. know. Sure. Um, There's no like Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte and the 200 IM kind of deal where it's just like stuck. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, I got, I went back to my hometown after Stanford and I was just elated. I had a really good hundred free. It was the first time I ever broke 55. I was, I think I was 54, six. Don't quote me on that though. And my 50 free, it was kind of funny. I was entered in at a yard time. Oh man two out of like 12 and I popped off the seventh fastest time and snuck into that a final from heat two. Oh, that's amazing <laughs> so I had a really good prelim swim and then I might have been eighth actually so I like snuck into that a final and yeah. then I ended up breaking 25 so I'm a 24 9 50 freestyler now which was which was awesome I was so happy about that too yeah that's so, a big, uh, that's a big barrier to break through as a, oh, uh, a women's sure. 50 freestyler. Yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. Um, like I said, I had a really good meet and I went back to my hometown. I ended up staying there a little bit longer than I expected before I went back down to Auburn to start a new year. Um, just because I was like, well, I'm traveling for the ISL. I don't really know when I'm going to be home. Um, my sister was, um, starting her freshman year of college. So I wanted to like be with her before she left and like started a new chapter in her life. Um, so I ended up staying through Labor Day. So I stayed home a whole month. I had some car issues, so that's why it kind of (laughs) delayed me going home. I ended up purchasing my first car, which was awesome. Like Mm -hmm. I own a car now, (laughs) um, but then I went back down to Auburn and it was go time from there on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was training at home in August. I took, I think I took a week and a half off, but then I started like training at my high school pool and like a YMCA and I was lifting. So I was getting back into shape and then got back down to Auburn and it was just a different vibe because I was used to team conditioning practices mm-hmm. and team workouts the first you know, month and a half. Mm -hmm. And I was separate. And it was just kind of throwing me off because I thrive in a team atmosphere. Yeah, I thrive when I can swim with like minded people and people who are going to push me at practice. So I think my training kind of fell off in the fall, um, which didn't really set me up well for a good and successful ISL season. I didn't really have the best U.S. Open or Pro Series meet at Des Moines, and I was just feeling very 
negative and broken down about swimming. Um, and I was supposed to go, so during March this past year, so 2020, um, during women's and men's NCAAs, I was supposed to go out to Colorado Springs because that's one of the perks you get of being on the national team is they'll fly out to Colorado Springs and you can train with the national team. Yeah. So I had a really cool opportunity. I was supposed to spend two weeks out there um, during men's and women's NCs um, and just get some good training and good long course, um, like-minded people, like I said, mm -hmm. and then COVID shut everything down. Yeah. And I was still training for about a week and a half. And then the Olympics got postponed. And at first I was just kind of like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, it's going to be okay. Like I'll mm -hmm. figure something out. I'll take some time off and like reset. I'll, I'll come back. And I was actually commuting for the first week and a half when COVID shut everything down and NCAAs was canceled, I was commuting to go swim in Atlanta, which was an hour and a half away from Auburn because that mm. was the only pool that was um, available. Um, That's a so heck of a commute to go to swim practice. Cor correct. So that's what I was doing with one of my um, other pro teammates at Auburn. We were doing that for we did it on the weekdays and then on the weekends we just were hanging out back in Auburn. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was rough. It was really rough. And there was a point in time that like, you know, once I gave up commuting after the Olympics were postponed, I was just kind of like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, could I even do this another year? Because I think I was already starting to plan um, my life in August this year, like what I was going to do after swimming was done, mm -hmm. like after I made the Olympic team or all these things that were supposed to happen just didn't or yeah. they weren't going to anymore. So it was kind of like, what am I going to do now? So then I was like, all right, Allie, what do you want to do with your life? And then I just hated swimming at that point I was like I don't want to see a pool I don't want to be by a pool like I can't do this anymore and I haven't really told many people that where I was just I like I was so broken down about the sport and so negative that I wanted to quit mm -hmm. and I had that mentality for about three weeks I would say um I ended up you know I was in Auburn at that time and then I ended up going home and when I was at home, um, my parents were like, Allie, we really, we really need to talk to you about like swimming. Like you haven't talked to us about the Olympics or like Olympic trials. Like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And I just shut them out. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about swimming. I don't want to, I don't want to do this right now. And then, you know, a few more days passed and eventually they were like, okay, you are completely off like something you're upset you're frustrated but we need to talk and when I like I couldn't even talk at first I was just crying because I think it finally hit me that I, I was giving up something I really loved and was really passionate about and then yeah. all of a sudden it was just over um so my parents were like all right 
let's like let's think about this let's let's kind of look at everything under the sun right now yeah and I think at that point was when I started to realize that I was outgrowing Auburn and where I was at um and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world it it was I was there for five years and I just could see myself like kind of outgrowing it and needing something different change of environment change of scenery I'm 23 years old it was kind of nice to start looking at other places not in a little college town (laughs) yeah well and it's common phenomena um amongst high achieving swimmers like yourself like it's something I went through at Texas where you know and you can maybe speak to this a little bit before we go into the Wolfpack Elite part but you're there and this is before this excellent pro group that they have now was officially started pros would just Mm kind of hang around or if a pro came to town they were just like unofficially there and you know they would be taken care of as far as training goes but there was no like I'm a Texas pro that's who I am and for you guys it wasn't really established like there was like the Auburn Tiger Elite pro group right you were just kind of training with the college team it seems like your role might have been a little fuzzy with who you were to the people there not yeah and and just because it's kind of a weird fuzzy in between that happens with college teams sometimes where a post-grad is training pro and they're getting everything that the coach can give them, but there's no official, this is what you do. So what was, what did it feel like kind of being there, but not part of what's going on and how that really accelerated your need to leave town and find an official pro group like the one in Raleigh? I think you're, I think you hit it on the nail with like, my identity was just kind of fuzzy and Mm -hmm. I was really struggling to figure out like who I was as a professional athlete um and kind of like what I wanted to do as a professional athlete um Mm -hmm. and kind of find myself with that too and to be honest I just felt like a fifth year (laughs) and I hate to I hate to kind of say that but it was like I was a part of the team because of training, you know, Mm -hmm. we trained together, but then it was like, you know, I wasn't going to football games. I wasn't in classes. I wasn't um, a part of like recruiting things. I wasn't like being invited to like team parties and like all the team bonding stuff. So it was just really weird. And then I was getting fed all this team drama from, which from my friends on the team, because I still, I still am friends with people on the team. Sure. I mean, you're a fifth year. You're friends with people that are seniors and juniors. It's not like that just like axes because you're not on the team anymore. You guys are still people that are friends with each other. Exactly. So the conversations are still the same. Yeah. And I was being fed team drama and I was like, I don't want this. Like, I don't want, it was just very, because I wasn't a part of the college team. Mm -hmm. I wasn't scoring points for them they didn't have me they didn't have me on the team anymore so I don't know if maybe like some of the girls even had like that sort of feeling too of me like training with them still but like realizing oh wait Ali's not actually at dual meets or right what does that mean yeah yeah it's a weird thing where like you're taking on all of the duty that you had and you're going through the same motions but it's not towards 
the same collective goal and you're not part of the organism that you're used to yeah. give it that you're used to like if you give it'll give back to you you're not getting the give yeah. back as well right yeah exactly so i mean i love auburn and I mean, that's always going to be my, where I went to school for undergrad and I'm always going to cheer for them. And especially like Auburn football, you can't, you can't beat the SEC football. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always going to be an Auburn fan at heart, but it's a little, a big part of me just outgrew it right now. Yeah. And I think um, when I did start looking at other places, environment did play a huge factor. I was looking at college or not not colleges, but like pro groups that were in cities or near big cities where I could kind of like meet new people and kind of figure out who I am. And it's kind of funny now that I'm like, oh yeah, I I wanted to meet new people and figure Mm -hmm. out who I am because I moved to Raleigh in August and Mm -hmm. I haven't really had time to really go out and like explore and meet new people because I've been busy with clinics and now I'm here for six weeks and you know, I'm, I'm in a long distance relationship. So like, those are things I also have to balance in my life and make me who I am. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's been a lot, but I'm very happy with my current situation and just kind of where things led. Um, I think, you know, the pro group I train with at Wolfpack Elite is very connected. We have we all have the same collective goal of like wanting to make a Tokyo 2021 team. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been, it's been really good. And the coaches are really understanding with how to run a pro group as well as a college team. Sure. And I think that's huge and something that I need because we don't train with a college team. It's just the pro group, Mm -hmm. um, which has been really nice because we get a lot of one-on-one attention. Um, There's so many volunteer assistants there that work with just Wolfpack Elite, which has been great because when Brayden is busy at a college practice, um, they'll step in, coach us. And uh, I'm actually really excited to get back to Raleigh after all this is over because they're going to transition us into being at NC State's pool because of COVID. We haven't really been training there. We've sure. been training at another facility. Um, but the athletic director cleared it for us to come back and start getting COVID testing and maybe training with the team, you know, a couple practices a week, which will sure. be which will be really good for them as well as us too. It must be so nice to be with this small group of people who all have the same goals, like you said. Um, I spoke with one of my very first podcasts. I spoke with Marina Spadoni, who mm-hmm. spent time at Virginia Tech with uh, Sergio Lopez, one of your former coaches at Auburn. And she said it was just such a switch, just like you said, from being at Arizona State and even being in a program at Arizona State where it's like, this is what's going on. And like the goals are a little weird. Like the best swimmer on her in her group was like a high school 400 IMer, and she's trying to sprint. Mm-hmm. And then she goes over to this group and it's basically like a, she just, we described it as like an art collective, what she had going on there where everyone's like talking about ideas and hanging out together. And you haven't had a ton of time to establish like the relationships with both the town and with the group so far, because you were there for a month and a half, two months, just getting your feet under you before you left for this ISL meet. Yeah, exactly. 
but it is still, I imagine your headspace just got completely like all of that other stuff just vacuumed out that came with being a part of a fuzzy sort of pro college group. Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been really nice because I don't know anyone <laughs> on the college team. So coming to train at NC State, you know, I have been invited to like group things with the college kids or like small, small group stuff because COVID. Hangs, um, hangs instead yeah. of parties, yeah. Yeah, there we go. And Chill hangs. So I'm like trying to learn names right now. And some people have been like, oh, like, if you ever want to go get coffee or like this or that. And I'm like, if I have time, of course, but like, I'm crazy busy. And yeah. I actually, um, <laughs> I am the type of person that needs to have something going on, like literally every hour mm -hmm. of the day. And mm -hmm. I'm very like schedule oriented. So I have a schedule set. Um, I started nannying for a family. Really? Yeah, wow. in Raleigh. So I picked up that. I was just like, I need to feel like I'm a part of <laughs> a part of something. And really? Yeah. Yeah, in in Auburn, um, just with doing fitter and faster clinics, actually, I met so many families in Alabama that were like, oh, like, do you want to come for a weekend? Like, you can stay at our house. We'll cook you food and like spend time with the kids and we might go to like the pool to get one individual pool session but they'd sure. take care of me for a weekend sure and that was so nice that's amazing so yeah I, I really liked that and um I one of them I actually called them my Alabama family because, because one time I just like called them up and I was like I'm really lonely like can I come up for a weekend and they were like yes like come on up and I drove three hours and they took care of me for a weekend it was really it was really good and I think going like moving to Raleigh I was like I don't know anyone in North mm -hmm. Carolina <laughs> um so I was just looking for like nanny jobs because I love kids and I love being around kids and this family it's um a family of four kids mm -hmm. and the dad works from home so he's home all the time so he doesn't really like need a nanny or like a babysitter but his kids like there's four of them so when he's trying to work from home they drive him crazy sure. so I just like keep them in control <laughs> yeah you're just kind of you're, you're scrubbing his headspace a little bit so that he can focus on work during the day exactly and like I get to have fun like we just like play Nintendo Switch or like play video games or yeah. do puzzles and games and it's it's been so cool because it's like they work around my swim schedule so if I have practice from you know, seven to nine in the morning. And then I have a double from usually our double. So it's usually seven to nine and then 1230 to 230, which is a really quick turnaround. Mm -hmm. So usually I don't go in nanny until three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I just stay until dinner. And I mean, they work around my schedule and they're so supportive of my swimming. Like I told them that I was leaving for six weeks and the kids cried and I Aww. felt so bad, but we've been FaceTiming and they're still like, can you help me with my homework and yeah. that sort of thing. So it's been really cool and like a really good thing to have for me at least. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it scratches that same itch of when you were in Auburn and you had your Auburn family and those other families that you would hang out with that exactly. it's like a, it's like a home base, I guess, 
right? Yeah. Where yeah. you feel like a sense of family and a sense of warmth and welcoming. Yeah. Well, that's, so, a, that's a really wonderful thing. Yeah, so you said you, you said you like to keep busy. You yes, also sure. have to do a lot. Um, you've, we've, we've touched on a couple things you do to put together basically an income as a pro swimmer. And one of the things that's really important to me through this podcast is people understanding each person I've talked to kind of how they pie chart out supporting themselves. So obviously you're here at the ISL right now and you make money for that, but Mm -hmm. say that it's a typical when this is over, you know, December week or December month or January month for Ali Tetzloff. What are you doing week to week, month to month to put together your income to support yourself? Yeah. So, um, last year, I'll just go like based off of last year, cause ISL wasn't, you know, six weeks and we didn't get a monthly stipend. Like we're going to be getting this year. Sure. Um, last year I put a goal in that I wanted to work one fitter and faster clinic a month. And I kind of like charted out, all right, groceries, um, fun money, rent. I have a car payment now. Um, I'm very fortunate enough that my parents still kind of, you know, support me a little bit. So they pay for my insurance and um, my gas still and cell phone bill. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. But for the most part, like I'm very independent. Mm -hmm. And last year I, I, I needed money because it's a very scary thought of like transitioning to not really under your parents' umbrella anymore. And under that safety net of like, not really a, a disposable income, but like, you know, I didn't really have my parents didn't really need to like worry about the money as much. It was like, if I needed a couple hundred dollars, they would give that to me. But now it's like, I'm making money. So I would feel bad asking for that money. Um, But I'll just go off of kind of like what I'm thinking about for this upcoming year. So my rent has gone up. I live in a city now versus small college town. <laughs> yeah. Great town like Raleigh where the rent is a little bit more in line with, you know, 20 year olds, tw- people in their twenties, like yourself moving there to yeah. be professionals. Like it's a, yeah, it's a pretty happening place. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my rent has gone up, but I actually don't live like necessarily downtown, downtown. I live more in like a college, um, living environment. So I mm-hmm. live with another pro, um, which has been great because we are run pretty much on similar schedules, except she still has classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really good. We have a two bedroom, two and a half bath townhouse, and we split rent for that. Um, so I would say about what I make with one fitter and faster clinic, I would say about a quarter, no, a third of that will go towards my rent. Mm-hmm which I mean, you're, you're going to kind of know because I feel like you know how much fitter and faster clinicians make, but sure, of course. that's like, I feel like that's a very hefty amount um, because then I have two thirds left over for a month. If I do one fitter and faster clinic a month mm-hmm. and the, you know, part of that money about, I would say, I'm trying to like think mathematically in my head 
Some of that will go towards a car payment. And I pay, I pay 300 every single month. I don't mind sharing that. Um, sure. I pay 300 every single month for a car payment. So that's also factored in there. And then on top of that, I've been really trying to <laughs> coupon for groceries, mm-hmm. save for groceries, go to like cheaper grocery stores where I can still get fresh produce and good food, but it might be on the cheaper side. So I like shopping at Aldi um, just because it is, it's just cheaper and mm-hmm. the stuff is still fresh and I'm able to like mass buy meats and things like that. And then I just package them and freeze them. So that's how I've been like starting to save money more and um, just be more aware of what I spend on groceries, I think is, has been really huge for me. And then also when I get back to Raleigh, I'll start nannying again. And that's Mm -hmm. a pretty steady income. You know, I get that. I nanny every single day during the week and I get, you know, weekly paychecks with that. And that's been really good because that's like my grocery money for for the week. And then some, you know, like that might be gas. And then I'm not really relying on my parents to pay for my gas anymore because I'm already taking care of that myself. So the, the so, nannying job, that's kind of your bedrock. That's the one that you count on. And it's the one that covers like you just being alive. Correct. Yeah. And then, you know, the rest of the fitter and faster money, what I don't spend on rent, my car payment. Um, to be honest, I've been so busy that I haven't really had much like fun money, which is fine because then I'm just saving it. And that's kind of where I'm at right now is just you know, saving that money. Um, Christmas is coming up. So I'm like, all right, got some Christmas presents I got to buy. And, but I also have to like budget and think about that too. So I think being a professional athlete has kind of helped me grow up in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's been, it's been good though. I'm also an ambassador for Fike Swim and not many people know this, but we came out with custom suits and we have our own signature suit where we came up with our design and we get 20% of that um, swimsuit. So if anyone, any, anyone buys our swimsuit, we get 20% of that. Mm -hmm. So that's like also been a little bit of money here and there too. Um, Obviously when we promote the suits, the sales do pretty well and we can get a cut of that. But if we're not really promoting, because it is a newer, building company um i don't really make much month to month from that sure the the fike swim thing is interesting because being an ambassador it's slightly different from like say an nba player's shoe deal right like there's a it's it's not just you know kevin durant makes 300 million dollars from nike or from uh under armor sorry nike whatever it is from Nike yeah. just to be Kevin Durant and appear in commercials. Like there's also a good bit of legwork you have to put in at your end and your oh, salary sure. is tied to that. For sure. And I don't think many people realize that. <laughs> um, like me being an ambassador, I've done numerous Instagram takeovers. I have, you know, I've come up with a suit design. I'm constantly, well, not constantly while I'm here now because of a time change, but I'm constantly trying to give feedback to the owner James and um, help him improve his company while also trying to build it and trying to promote his company Um, you know we have fike swim caps for LA current so I wear those and Ali Deleuve 
who's also on my team, she's also wearing a bike swim cap too. So it's little things like that, trying to get exposure for him and his company while mm-hmm. also trying to build the brand and being able to post about it and send him our practices, send him what we're doing, send him pictures and content because he needs that for the Instagram to post and promote yeah. and build his website and build his brand. And do you feel, since you get a portion of the proceeds, do you feel like you're a part of building Fike Swim yourself? Like that you are kind of building the company as well, not in the way that you have literal equity in the company, but like it's almost your responsibility to help it grow. Oh, for sure. Um, (laughs) That actually didn't start happening until August or Mm -hmm. September this year was when I I had a sit down meeting with him and I was like, listen, you have ambassadors for a reason. Like use us. We, we know people, we have followers. We do like some of us do clinics. Like let's think about how we can build your brand. Yeah. Um, and I kind of took a little bit of ownership in that. And then <laughs> it's funny that we're like on a zoom meeting. And before this, I was like, Oh yeah, I only have been on four zoom meetings. It was Fikes, like the Fikes swim zoom meetings mm-hmm. with him and the other ambassadors and just shooting around ideas um and it's kind of made him think a little bit more of like okay like I can do this yeah and he started looking at um I think we have a media guy now that like revamped the entire website and make made us look a little better on our profiles and made the swimsuits um they're now ghost mannequins so you can kind of see like a swimmer body in them (laughs) um so it's it's definitely been different and I'm not like the most creative person in the world, but I feel like I have a strong enough opinion on something if I know it's correct or Mm -hmm. going to work or not. Um, So I enjoy putting my opinion out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm very opinionated. I would say equally important as creativity is someone like yourself that can provide a structure to creativity because you're someone that's so schedule and process oriented that that part's just as important as, you know, this nebulous concept of being creative. Exactly. Yeah. And and then on top of that, the custom suits, it's a reflection of you. So of course you're going to have input on how they get out there and into the world. Oh yeah. That was, I mean, it was a super cool project and like kind of fun and it was cool to see all the ambassadors like do their own suit designs too. Cause it's sure. like, Oh wow. Like I never would have thought to do that or whatever, or, like pick those colors, mm-hmm. but it's cool to see kind of like our creative sides too. And kind of what we're interested in that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And that's probably something that you don't often get to tap into being an athlete who, I mean, I'm, would you describe yourself as type A based on, just like everything you put together with your life for sure it must be it must be nice to have this creative outlet too yeah yeah it it is it's I've tried you know tried to get into numerous hobbies about being creative and I just don't really have that drive or passion Mm -hmm. I'm more of like a it's it's this way it needs to be done like this I need to just read a book and let you guys do the creatives <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah consume like, the content I'll, of course I'll, contr- I'll, I'll like support you and put my give my input but like I'm not I'm not really the most creative person <laughs> yeah now but there is a part of your brain that I do want to talk about even if the creative side isn't one that you necessarily believe that you tap into very much and it's the part of your brain that has to do with setting goals. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you have a system. I want to know, let's say Tokyo 2021, because the ISL is happening right now. You can talk about, actually, if you, if you want to talk about building up the ISL, you can, but it seems like Tokyo 2021 is, is your true guiding light. So yes, I want to know, how are you planning the mental side of it with goals, with visualization, and what's the foundation that that's built on from what you've achieved before and how you got there, especially with the mental side? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll talk about my lead up to Tokyo because Please, yeah. I think that's like, like you said, it's just my guiding light. Um, currently, I mean, solely, this is just like training purposes right now. And I think right now, goal-wise, training in the pool I just want to be consistent mm -hmm. I want to try to make every practice be just as consistent as the last time-wise effort-wise just across the board I need to be consistent mm -hmm. and that was kind of the big theme that I realized it kind of like turned a switch on in my head my junior year of college is like oh, that's how I'm going to get better is like consistency. I'm mm -hmm. like, that's how I'm going to get to that next level. So that's probably been my main focus. And when I did switch teams, um, it's been a learning curve because now I have to learn to be consistent with a different training style and different training program, which has been good because it's taught me to be adaptable and kind of taught me like, all right, just because I am 23 and I have my own opinions and I've been doing things a long time, one specific way, like it taught me to be coachable again um, and be open to new opinions and new ideas about my stroke, about my technique. So I think just little things to tweak here and there in the water for me would be like goal wise, what I'm working on in practice right now is um, underwater kicks. I've been trying to work underwater kicks more so from my hips versus just like the knee down yeah um, yeah that's a huge one for me and then another goal is tempo I I've always struggled with tempo in the past especially on my freestyle um I just get in I'm, I just get into like a slow tempo of like oh this feels nice but it's slow mm -hmm. and it's usually that comfort level of like one four tempo and I need to be with a breath and everything. We've talked about, Brayden and I have talked about me being one, two, anywhere sure. between one, oh, or not one, oh, one, one, and one, two, anywhere between there with a breath. And that's the stopwatch. Your hand hits the water, full stroke cycle, hand comes back to the same point, one point, one point oh to one point two seconds. Correct. So, um, before my relays this past weekend, for the first ISL me, I was really focusing on warming up my freestyle tempo. So I was actually, I put, I praise a tempo trainer. I love tempo trainers. Mm -hmm. um, I put my tempo trainer at 0.58. So that's per hand hit. Per hand, so yeah. 1.16 for a cycle. So 0.58, hand hit, hand hit, hand hit, hand hit, 0.58, point, yep. instead of one point and now i've lost it <laughs> instead of 1.2 1. 1. measuring 1. the one yeah, hand yeah. it's hand it hand it yeah Correct. got it got it and for me just warming that up and like practicing when i'm supposed to breathe i breathe every four of my sprint free um it, it it actually helped and i'm starting to get there 
but you know, Braden took my last 25 tempo when I anchored the relay in 52.7 and he was like, he texted me after and he was like, uh, your tempo slowed down to a one four. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) so it's getting there. But again, it goes back to consistency. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the main goal is just being consistent with what I'm working on at practice. Um, and I think that's like my main goal through, I would say December and just being consistent, working on underwater kicks and the breathing. And I think a huge thing that I've been kind of portraying is this mindset of when people ask me, um, I get this question at fitter and faster clinics Mm -hmm. and it's, Oh, have you made an Olympic team? And I always say not yet. Mm. And I think that's like started helping that switch in my brain of like, not yet. Yeah. I didn't say no because I still have that drive of wanting to make an Olympic team. Yeah. Um, so I've been starting to transition into like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing a lot of mental talk too. I, especially during warmups and, you know, if we're having a big practice set or like even at the meets the past two days of just like self-talk, um, like what I'm doing every stroke, I'm like, all right, you are confident, you are strong, you are worthy, you are fast. Like just things like that, that I repeat constantly through a warm up or through a warm up of a hard, like before a hard set, mm-hmm. just kind of a reminder. So I think those are the things that I'm really working on um, these next couple of months, goal wise. Yeah, I really like the part about the positive self-talk um, because we all talk to ourselves. We all have inner voices. And yeah, one of the sure. things that can happen if you don't monitor it and make it positive is it could be fearful or negative self-talk. So mm-hmm. is that a shift you've had to make or was your brain kind of quiet before and you've started to grow positive self-talk out of it? Um, so I actually used to self-talk a lot in college and I don't know why I stopped doing it. Like, it was like, as soon as I became a professional, oh, you're too good for that. Yeah. But then I like started using it again. And I think I, I only started using it again, like this past weekend. So I don't really have a for sure answer to you on like, if it's working or not. But no, I think of course. this past weekend, it for sure helped me kind of calm the nerves and get that little nagging negative voice out of my head a little bit. Because the more you start positive self-talking, the less that nagging negative voices in your head and the less you hear it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say before this, um, it wasn't negative, but I think there was just quiet. And then there might've been a little sense of doubt. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that's, I would say that's probably what's been going on in my head the last year. (laughs) Well, the brain is just, the, is in my opinion, the most powerful tool uh, when we move through our sport and try to achieve what we want. So before we wrap, you've already covered part one of Fitter Faster Faves with yeah. the, your favorite question to get, your favorite serious question to get at swim clinics, which is, have you made the Olympics yet? Not yet. And I love yeah. that because, and this, we could dig way too into how I think about <laughs> things, but I believe that time is a construct and when you say not yet you're charting yourself towards an inevitable future where it has happened already 
And now you're just orienting yourself to go towards it instead of no, which is no, I'm never an Olympian. It's not yet, which is I'm getting there. So that's the serious one. And I absolutely love that. It's something I've been thinking about the last couple months with positive thinking and orienting how we move through the universe and time. Have you ever had any, uh, any fun questions from kids where just the precociousness of children has shown through? And it, you, you do a nannying job, so it doesn't even have to be necessarily at Fit or Faster clinics. Um, that would be the most obvious space because we have these Q&A sessions and the kid ask, kids ask us just the most amazing questions. Yeah. But anything that a kid's ask you where you're like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> um. I honestly, I would really have to think about that question. Sure. Um, but I mean, the kids I nanny for, they're just, they're so funny and they're so like bizarre too. Yeah. Like they're so weird. And it's, it's kind of cool to just like see their personalities stick out and mm-hmm. um, their parents regulate like their screen time. So they're not supposed to be sitting in front of a TV or like on their devices or whatever for a certain amount of time during the day. And it's funny because the things they just say surrounding that are like, why, why is this the way this is supposed to be? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, what goes through your head to say that? I I cannot think of anything specific. And I wish I had something specific for you to share, but yeah, that's okay. You'll just have to come on. You'll just have to come on again and come with a, uh, (laughs) with a, with a funny story. Yeah, I will definitely have to. Yeah, but But in the meantime, (laughs) uh, we've taken up a lot of your time and you've been so generous, Allie. Um, This has been absolutely phenomenal and I'm so glad that we got got to get together and uh, chat about all this cool stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Good luck with everything. And we'll, uh, I've heard you guys have a lot of free time in Budapest, so we'll have to have another one of these chats (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you. Bye.